All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to Breaking the Panel, now with 100% less angry Georgian. <laughs> yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, your faithful captain tonight, Soapbox GSTU also known as Paul Klotz. Oops, I got that backwards. And I am joined, as always, by the faithful stalwart companions who do show up week after week. Ooh. Starting uh, with... <laughs> well, we're going to start with uh, with Felipe. Hi, I'm back. Sorry, I was very tired and uh, slept through the show last week. Well, that's not entirely true. You woke up for the show and then we were like, dude, go to sleep. Yeah, this is what happened. I signed into Zoom and everyone said, oh, you look like shit. Why don't you go away, goblin? And I said, all right, I'll see you nerds later. So you pulled that classic move that everybody does when they work retail where you go to work and then really ham up how shitty you feel and like, Until the manager is like, oh, dude, no, you just go home. I've done it so many times. Oh, so have I. I've done it as a manager. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I've called my district manager before. uh, 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 Anyways, in uh, somebody who's having a much better week right now, Mr. Chris Wisdom. Yeah, this this weekend is, as I'm still... I'm still high. Rocket man. <laughs> He's a little dehydrated still, folks. So uh, we're going to jump right into things. We Okay, I'm going to be honest. Uh, every time Charles is out, we say we have a, a news light week, and then we go super long. We do have a bit of a news light week, but we're <laughs> going to try not to go super long, because Philip has to get up early to, yes. to handle fruit. Uh, some casting news has come out recently for the Batman. Uh, this is... The Rob Pattinson uh, as, you know, Wayne slash Batman. Uh, This is kind of exciting stuff. There was a change. Uh, They had somebody lined up for the Penguin that did not work out, which, uh, Chris, you were saying it was Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. He was wanting $10 million, I believe, was the the sticking point. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's That's ballsy. That's a lot of dollars. Well, he is an Oscar award-winning actor. I I get that, but also with how society is working right now and these superhero roles or supervillain roles can really propel you to franchises and and work, right? That's the thing about actors. They're always looking for work. That's a lot of money to demand right up front. Did anybody... Anybody else forget who directed the movie that Jonah Hill won his Oscar for? No, uh, it was it was it um, was it the Scar Brothers, Sklar Brothers? No. No, was it? Um, hold on, it was Wes Anderson, right? It was Marty Scorsese. No, we're not talking about <laughs> who. <laughs> if you want to hear us bitch about Marty Scorsese more. Go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel and sign up over there so you can listen to the pre-show because Chris and I went and again. No, uh, you're right, Philip. That is a lot of money, especially. Okay, so these superhero films are usually an ensemble piece. Like they have to be by their nature. Uh, This is, you know, Warner Brothers has been kind of like, 
you know, lately. Uh, they started to right the ship a little bit, maybe. Uh, so it seems crazy to go to the, the struggling comic book franchise and be like, $10 million. Well, yeah. Also, like, literally coming off of the back of how well the Joker did financially. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's whatever. See ya. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. Anyways, he's being replaced by Colin Farrell. Eric, let me, I'm sorry. Deadline reports that he's in negotiations, but they, since it went public, it's probably likely. Uh, they usually don't let stuff like this slip out until it's pretty close. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. I am. I enjoy Colin Farrell a lot. I think he's a way better actor than uh, Jonah Hill. Um, and uh, it's it's weird how such talented actors don't come in swinging with ten million dollars, uh, no negotiation price points. That sounds like a fake number that just meant he didn't want to do it. <laughs> All right, has he got a lot going on, jo- Jonah Hill? I don't know, dude. He Jonah Hill doesn't seem like a happy guy. Based on uh, interviews I've seen with him and stuff. So I don't know, man. Well, it's because he got all thin, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to play the fat guy in Batman." He's like, "Oh, that's what you want from me." Oh man, but like, wouldn't it be okay? I'm a fat guy, so to me, it would be the sweetest thing ever if I got thin, and then somebody wanted to hire me to play a fat guy in a movie, and they had to put a fat suit on me because I'd be like, "Ah, ha, 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 ah, ha, ha. life has come full circle." Fuck y'all. You know what? You know what? Maybe we're just reading into this wrong. You have to remember that uh, he played the Green Lantern in all the Lego movies, so maybe he's just waiting out for that Green Lantern uh, live-action reboot that Jonah Hill could then star in, uh, because Green Lantern has been doing well as a franchise. Is he going to play Kilowog? (laughs) Chris gets that joke. No, I don't. I don't (laughs) care. Uh, Yeah. Green Lantern's real sergeant, buddy. Hmm? The Green Lantern drill sergeant. Mm, okay. He's a little bit chunky. That's kind of the joke. Ah, got it. Uh, also, in other casting for the Batman, apparently Alfred is going to be played by Andy Serkis. You know, Smeagol. <laughs> you mean Gollum? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I mean, oh, I'm ex- Caesar. Caesar. Sorry, I was getting them confused. Yes, Caesar. <laughs> I'm getting uh, super excited about that because I, I really, really love Andy Serkis. I think he's obviously the most incredible mocap actor of all time. I'm just pointing it out. There. So they're just going to mocap uh, Michael Caine in, but Andy Serkis is going to be playing him? Is that what's going on? <laughs> oh, man. That would be interesting to watch. <laughs> Uh, but I, I really like him, and I, I actually think he's a good regular actor too. I mean, I think you to do something, do the the character work that you have to do for like the roles he's done. You have to be a great actor to begin with, and then you have to go above and beyond. And so I, I, I like seeing him get some more quote unquote traditional roles. Uh, some of the other casting stuff out of this, if you're not following it, Paul Dano, Dano as the Riddler. Uh, super stoked. I'm super stoked. I, he's, he's great. Um, he's, he kind of flies under the radar. He tends to stick to like more auteur projects, you know, uh, there will be blood. He was incredible in that's a big standout for me. 
that's a weird movie, but he was awesome in it. But I'm excited to see him do the Riddler. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Uh, hopefully, we'll get our first Catwoman that isn't super awkward and weird. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, not our first. Not our first. Um, not our first. Mm, on 66, both of those women did quite well. Oh, well, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before. I don't really consider 66 to be a real thing. Fuck right off, old I, man. No, I respect it, but it's like, it, like I, don't, I don't compare Star Trek, the original series, to like modern sci-fi. Hardly ever. Like, I might compare themes, but I don't like go like, oh, look at the production quality of this show made in the 60s compared to what we do today. Yeah, I'm like, no, of course, it's completely different. The acting culture is completely different. The writing culture is completely different. Anyways, point is, uh, yeah, so like, how are you guys feeling about this Matt Reeves directed project? I'm bought in as somebody who does not care for Batman. Okay. Um, the, well, I, I mean, this goes without saying the best thing about Batman is the rogues gallery of villains that he has. And these castings are fucking dead on. And I'm pretty goddamn it. Like Andy circus coming into the mix raises this movie to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like that man made me care about a computer generated ape mm-hmm. in a franchise that I don't give two hot shits about <laughs> to the point where after I watched the first one, I instantly had to go out and see the next two because that's how good his acting ability is. And Paul Dano, I've been in love with ever since he came out with little miss sunshine and played the awkward brother in it, man. So uh, I, I couldn't be more thrilled about, about this and, and the possibility of it being, a well-acted film, you know, at any point, you know, the writing and the themes may be a little, you know, grayscaled or blue-scaled, depending on who's to, you know, who who's working the camera at that moment. But I'm uh, I'm pretty fucking excited, and I don't care for Batman. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Um, I don't know. I mean, the casting is. I don't necessarily have issues with the casting. I'm, I, to me, it's more about the characters they're choosing. I mean, this will be our th- fourth iteration of Catwoman. This will be uh, second iteration of Penguin, second iteration of Riddler, both of whom just came off of Gotham. Like, mm-hmm. for, for a hero whose rogues gallery has such a breadth, I don't understand why we keep going to these going to the well multiple times like you because have perfectly valid villains sure but it's what people know yeah right? and, and, and not, i mean at some point you're gonna know them well i well i get that but right now dc can't afford to try to do something that people don't already have a, a ground of of knowledge for yeah. When 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 you can do that on the Marvel side, and the perfect uh, point of that, Chris, is having the Vulture be the villain in the, the reboot of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? The Vulture, for us, the nerd community, yeah, I mean, he's one of the original villains of the, the comic book series, but, you know, you pull someone off the street, like, let's say my father, and, and say, you know... You, you know the vulture, right, man? He'd be like, well, first off, I'm dead, so no, you can't really ask me that question. But secondly, no, I, you know, I know the goblins, and I know Venom, and, and that's about it. It's, 
And I don't think right now DC has that opportunity to pull some of those stranger villains into this. Could this be the, the turning point movie? Most certainly. Yeah. Well, if, that, if this does well, yeah. Yeah, of course it could. The movie's not called the villains of Batman. It's called the Batman. So it's too easy to throw it in a freaking year one and do a black mask. You can even introduce a red hood who may or may not later become the Joker. Like you can set seeds. Like, I guarantee you the normies went to the theater not for the Vulture or for the Green Goblin. They went there for Spider-Man. It's true. Well, yeah, that's, that's, but, yeah. but you can also do what Marvel did in Homecoming and introduce these secondary tier villains and not actually have them be a play of the storyline at all. And then when they work them back in in possible sequels, then you're like, oh yeah, no, I remember that from him, you know, Nobody thinks of the Tinkerer when they think about Homecoming, but you know they introduced him there, and and hopefully they can reuse him down the road. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Homecoming also had uh, Shocker. Yep, and like, Scorpion. Yep, yeah. So I mean, they they set up the future potential of a, and you know those characters like so Sinister Six characters are in my opinion comparable to what we're talking about with Batman's rogues gallery, right? So you're, you're Riddler, you're Joker, uh, in a modern context, Harley is now associated with the Joker for the most part. Um, uh, Penguin. These are your core Batman villains that everybody's used to associating with Batman. There's been a, and it, I'm with you, Chris, like I get what you're saying, but I also get why like, you know, corporate executives are going to be like, can we, can we do stuff that people are going to recognize and are going to be kind of prevalent in their minds? So, cause it's like all it takes is one gross misstep and <laughs> one more gross misstep perhaps for DC. And like, people are just gonna be like Warner brothers. You're not allowed to make movies anymore. Like stop. Yeah. Which, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a valid take, but in a post force awakens world, like now you have two missteps possible to make. You just have the normal DC missteps that you can make. And then you have the, the, the accusations of a rehash. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like they're kind of in a damage. Yeah. They do damage. They don't situations. You may as well just introduce new people. That's, I mean, I think part of the problem too is like until the Joker happened, it was becoming a situation of like, what could DC do right? Like what could they do right to make people resonate you know, make the, make these stories resonate for people. And I'm not sure that there's a good answer to that. I think a lot, what we haven't said here, a lot hinges on Rob Pattinson. Yeah. If he's a believable Bruce Wayne and Batman, like if people can connect with him, that's going to, that's going to be the most important element in the entire film. So who would you have wanted to be the the villains in this movie, Christopher? Do you have anybody in mind that you would like would have liked to see in this instead of the... I, I think I think exactly what I said. I think going year one and you introduce the Black Mask is maybe the uh, the penultimate, I mean, obviously show uh, with the, the, the Falcons, you know, some ground level Batman stuff, fighting the mob, mm-hmm. the Black Mask being his first supervillain who's trying to gain control over the mafia in, uh, in Gotham and then you introduce threads to other directions that you put on later you can't do that because the black mask is going to be introduced in birds of prey like mm. he's mm. you and mcgregor is already yeah, playing right. him so like 
I love the idea, but they've already had this movie in the works and, and done yeah, before Batman. But yeah, but I mean, you can still, I don't know. There's, there's plenty of others. Give me a, give me a, give me a Mad Hatter. That's, that's, I mean, that's what, that's what I want. I, I would love to see a Mad Hatter or, um, um, shit. What the hell is the other one's name? Clock King. I like Clock King. Clock King. Yeah. Yeah. Mad Hatter would be dope. And even though like BD Wong played him in Gotham, I would like to see a new iteration of um, that. Would be a perfect role for Andy Serkis. Yeah, like a Hugo Strange man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'd be dope. Uh-huh. That'd be yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. I dig it. All right. So moving on a little bit here, uh, we were just talking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse two. Early early rumors and release date. Yeah. So. Uh, this is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever created. Spider-Verse one. It, uh, it, 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 it super is. Yeah. Most, most certainly. In a world where Spider-Man exists. Oh, do you and (laughs) you and big Jim love that movie so much. You are the same person. Um, but yeah, we, we, we got a release date, um, which is, you know, nothing at the moment, but at least we know, know that, um, obviously it's been thrown into production. So we're looking at April 8th of 2020, which is only forever away. Um, 2022. Nope. That's what I meant. 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, push 20- that back by three more, or three years, 2022. Yep. So, uh, I just wanted to talk about this real quick and, and possibly uh, hopeful expectations that you two might have for the infinite possibilities of infinite universes that could be pulled into this, this, this next movie. Uh, I, want, I want this to be a vessel in which they can finally introduce to me a live-action Miles Morales. That's what I want. I don't care whether Sony uses it as as their their Spider-Man proper, and shifts Tom Holland to do their MCU work, or if we get a, a Miles in the MCU, as long as I can get, I mean, I I fully appreciate and love my End of the Spider Verse, but just seeing them play live action. That's so what you're saying. Is you want a Who Framed Roger Rabbit aspect to this next film? Yes, yes, he does. He wants that for every goddamn movie he watches, though. <laughs> Everything's better with cartoons and people. <laughs> uh, I mean, they already kind of have that in the works, right? I mean, they introduced uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Uncle Aaron, in in Homecoming for a hot minute when Donald Glover played him. So mm-hmm. we know that he's a thing. Uh, I mean, but just that realities, Uncle. Uh, that's true. Yeah. For me, I want to see them do more of what they did in the first one where they could lean into like, they leaned into doing stuff that you can't easily do in live action. And I want them to do more of that. Yeah. Uh, I So that means, you know, there, there are villains and concepts that don't translate so easily. Uh, so I'd like to see them lean into that. I'd also like to see them embrace kind of what they did with, well, I'd actually like to see them do more with Mysterio. Uh, but in animated because I think it's incredible what far from home accomplished with Mysterio. Like mm-hmm. those scenes, the, you know, the, the trippy psychedelic scenes with Mysterio. <sighs> so awesome. 
for live action and imagine them doing mm. that like bringing the character that is most likely to do that kind of stuff into the animated craziness would be so dope um so that's what i'd like to see is i'd like to see those things lean into the characters that you can't basically just grab your characters you can't easily adapt to to live action and let them shine and just i like chris's idea of introducing the like so the live action future for i think the time is now miles has to happen live action miles has to be a thing i think if you introduce them in the next spider-verse film and then it is a buddy film for the next mainline spider-man movie with holland and the new miles morales that would be incredible to me i had one of the spider-man shows that's airing right now is that where Peter Parker and Miles are, are friends and they, they work together through the show. I can't remember the name of it um, as our listeners shout at their telephones. But yeah, no, um, <clears throat> that would... Mm, yes, yes, please. Would you... Uh, uh, well, no, I guess I'm going to recant that brain thought. Um, I kind of want to see the chameleon done. And I think the chameleon would work in an animated sense with how trippy this animation is too, uh, really well. And I want them to introduce just more, more, more different universes, maybe put the ones that we had in part one, some mm-hmm. of them to rest, mm-hmm. you know, come back to them later and bring in just different cavalcade of different universes into this. Uh, because literally the possibilities are infinite. Hmm. And Ooh, uh, that's how they introduced Craven serving up Peter Porker. Oh, I, I even <laughs> would like to see uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, doppelganger. Is he the Spider-Man yep. with multiple yep. arms? Yeah. Gets, yeah. 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 From the same universe that you got Demon Goblin from. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I think you both are right. You got to start playing with um, things that possibly wouldn't work in the, in the, live action films and, and use it as a testing ground. I would even like to see possibly a uh, black cat show up. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not be like uh, the main villain, like the Kingpin was, but at least, you know, introduce her into this world. Um, and, 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 and have that, that strange tension between Peter Parker and, and black cat. I think that would, that would be good. Well, then now you're introducing the possibility of like a triangle between Gwen. Uh, oh, well, no, you're, you're talking about Parker and yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, because I figure, you know, Miles is going to still be your main character. Yeah. I think yeah. Spider-Gwen and, and Peter Parker tested really well across the board. Um, and then, you know, the other Porkers... Uh, Nicholas Cage in the anime one. I think you can just tuck those back in to to their own universes. Well, we we've also got uh, twenty ninety nine was shown mm-hmm. in, the, in the extra stuff towards the end, uh, which is another character that they absolutely should embrace. Which also opens up a lot of possibilities too, because you can pull stuff from the twenty nine twenty ninety nine continuity. Uh, oh, like Iron Man 2099 and Punisher 2099 oh, no, no, no. and other trash 2099? No, no, no. What I meant was like you having Spider-Man 2099 involved means you could pull ideas from that those storylines yeah. as well. And I don't, I don't recall what villains he fought on a regular basis in that 
book, but oh, I'm sure. Vulture 2099. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Right. Uh, I, would like, I, I would love to see a, because uh, um, I've always been a Goblin fan, but I, I think it's time to go ahead and give Hobgoblin a shot. Uh, yeah. If you're going to do, do that in Into Spider-Verse, if it's going to be animated, I mean, there's only one man that plays Hobgoblin, right? We agree? It's, that's another, that's a Mark Hamill joint. Mm, no? I suppose. No? I could see no? it. I could see it. I don't know. We'll see. You might not want to work for. Well, it'd be working for Sony, I guess. Technically, not, not Marvel. Uh, no, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, th- this conversation's over. Anyways, yeah, uh, about two years, because uh, it's going to be April 2022, and it is November of 2019. So we're looking at about a two-year turnaround here. They remember that they won the Oscar for best animated movie. Like they beat out. Pixar for this, which means they probably have bigger budget to play with. So, and I they patent that animation style, right? Like, that's that's theirs now. Am I correct on that? I have no idea. Yeah, I think they did. I I don't have my notes in front of me to actually check that, but I'm almost positive positive that they did uh, 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 patent that style of animation. So. I'm excited. The style or the production? I think both. Well, I don't think you can copyright stylization, so yeah, but so. but production. I think they. However, they did the the animation. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, the process. The process and the weird. The that yeah. I'm almost positive they did, but uh, if I'm wrong, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Rock Out of Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on, we got a little bit of news here about... Okay, so this is some gaming news. If you're familiar with the Metal Gear Solid series, you might be familiar with the name Hideo Kojima. God bless you. Might, you. <laughs> you might be familiar with the fact that Kojima had really fa- a really super famous falling out with Konami and therefore can no longer make Metal Gear movies. <laughs> I, I Freudian slipped there. I said movies and I meant games. Uh, uh, no, you were right the first time. Those, yeah. Some of those Metal Gears are, are, are uh, uh, you know, four hours of not doing anything. <laughs> In any case, uh, Death Stranding was his next game. Now, this was a, a game that had a lot of hype. It had thus far incredible cinematics that we saw, uh, like insane visuals, a really weird plot as presented through what we had seen so far but it had real life cameos in the video games essentially because we had Norman Reedus playing the lead, we had Guillermo del Toro playing a character in it and there were some several other actual like actors with their likenesses in the game as their characters as opposed to actors just voicing characters that don't look anything like them. Uh, however the early review culture is not good. Uh, Giant Bomb is going to be the link you're going to have in our show notes. Uh, <laughs> they, they label it as, although that's the name of the site, uh, they label it as self-indulgent. And it is, it is accurate from what I've read. Uh, there's actually a number of publications that are not going to publish their reviews for this game because people can't get through it. 
like one of the publications I saw pop up on Reddit, the, the reviewer who was assigned to it was like, listen, I want to make this very clear. This was not a lack of doing the work. I have put for like, they are like, I've put 40 hours into the game and I'm still not done with it. And it might've been 20 hours, but they put, you know, multiple sessions in and they are still and they're like it's a slog like i i want to just finish the game and uh the position that a lot of reviewers take is they don't want to review a game until they finished it because the the game community will they'll put you on a pyre if you review a game without fully experiencing the whole breadth of the game uh that has happened particularly with Nintendo titles in recent years where we found out that devs played for like an hour and then we're like, Oh, here's my full review of what I think of the whole game. And they're like, you didn't play the whole game. You dick. (laughs) So there's numerous uh, reviewers who aren't going to publish their reviews because they just, they can't get through it. Uh, There's the giant bomb here is giving it two out of five stars. The, the, the general feedback I'm seeing that kind of prevails for all of them is that the visuals are amazing. The performances are solid, but nobody knows what the fuck this game is. And I'm reading differently. Yeah. Yeah, I I am. Um, It seems like the average right now that I'm reading from, from multiple sites are like eight out of 10, seven out of 10. Eight out of ten, nine out of ten, five stars, four and a half stars. But with that said, everybody says that this is bloated, it is frustrating, and it is very slow pace, which you have hit on all three of those things in, in your first sentencing there, where people just cannot fucking get through it fast enough to, to get the reviews out. So that raises a really interesting point then how many of these reviews can be trusted well that's that's true well because if if they say what you're saying like if they're acknowledging hey the game's beautiful the the performances are good the writing is interesting but the game itself the core thing that is being sold the a, a gameplay experience sucks and then they're giving it like five stars or eight out of 10 or whatever. Like that seems crazy to me. That, that's like you're, that you're given all this weight to like the film as, which will be more relevant in a moment, the film aspect of this game rather than the actual game itself. I, I now look, see how this all pans out. I'm just going to say real quick that I have not read a single fucking review about this game. And I'm just looking at a spreadsheet of different, websites right at different websites and their ratings for it with a little bit of a snippet from 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 wikipedia so i i don't know you know oh, okay i don't know how much time like you've said they've put into it before they're giving them you know these 8.5 or 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 7.5 ratings i'm just telling you what i'm reading right now which is across the board i'm seeing the lowest I see in front of me is 6.8 out of 10 from IGN. Mm. That's interesting. 6.8 is pretty bad for IGN. I disagree. I think a 6.8 to a 7 is about average on IGN. They, they hardly go over that, that 8 line for, 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 for most things. 
Um, but I'm also not that big of an IGN fan. I, I normally don't go with their ratings if I'm going to, to look into things. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. Well, so it's it's a mixed bag, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going off of, uh, the couple of reviews I've looked at, but I'm also going off, uh, there was a conversation in, I believe it was r slash games on Reddit where they had a thread where they were talking about multiple, uh, reviewers who were saying that they just weren't, they weren't going to, the publications were saying we're not publishing our reviews for this reason, which was kind of interesting. Chris. Huh? I know uh, you don't honk at me. Peace is an option. Um, I know you're not really dialed into uh, the new age gaming culture, but have you seen a trailer for this video game? I have not. Okay. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to quick explain what uh, the TLDR of, of this game is. You're Norman Reedus. From okay. the wa- from the Walking Dead. Yeah, okay. Well, oh no. Okay. So it's that one. Then yeah, I have seen I've seen the whatever's on uh, Hulu or YouTube or. And he's a watch. delivery man who has a fetus on his chest in a bubble. Okay. <laughs> so with that explanation, which is really what we got off of the first trailer, are people surprised that this game is confusing, self-indulgent, and slow-paced? That's that's my fucking question. Like, yeah. literally, I remember everybody was like, "What? What?" Like, and there's that second trailer that dropped that is like inside the fetus bubble, and the baby's just like crawling around, like, "Yo, you up? What's what's going on?" And after that trailer, I was like, "Huh." Like, come on. Of course this game was going to be slow-paced, weird, and, 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 and no one's ever actually going to get to the end of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like Skyrim. Uh, 98% of Skyrim players have never actually completed the game 100% because it's just too goddamn big. And 75% of Skyrim players have bought it on multiple platforms. Oh, okay. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And, just and, and that number is higher than 75. <laughs> uh I'd buy a, I'd buy a refrigerator if it came with Skyrim. <laughs> so, so I can't remember. I, th- I think it was Final Fantasy VII when when it came out. That was on. That was the last game you 2? bought new. No, 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 no. It was PS One. Okay, yeah. so, um, was that the one that was that the first one that was like a minimum of sixty hours for for, for playthrough? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. I don't have a problem with a, a large game. I don't have a problem with a lot of content. Like I, I, if I like the game, I will play it to completion. Like I'll do all the side quests and stuff mm-hmm. if I like the game that much. But I don't. I was really turned off. I know ne- I've never played that game because I was turned off when they told me you're going to commit sixty hours to this game to complete mm-hmm. the, to beat the game, like single playthrough, mm-hmm. not whether or not you go complete everything. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. I, yeah, I mean, to me, like, good, compelling content and a lot of it is great, but I don't mm. want to have to spend a shit ton just to... And the, just... Yeah, the, the issue with, like, JRPGs is that they're often very grindy for no reason. Mm. You know, they, they don't have to be that grindy. They make them that way, but they don't... Because that's what the Asian market likes. They like really grindy games. They Like, it's it's a really interesting cultural difference between Western audiences, but... um. You know, the, the thing is, Kojima, 
is favor famous for the Metal Gear Solid series, which also the first Metal Gear Solid came out on PlayStation, same era. And it's a longer game, but it it's it was a wonderful mix of like excellent storytelling, interesting like mechanics and like you know you're you're playing stealth mechanics and stuff the boss battles were awesome like in the boss characters the character work was all really dope and it it, the aesthetic was awesome so like it was a really great beginning like relaunch of the of the ip in the series and he went on to make several more games uh i recall i think it was four metal gear solid four i bought on playstation 3 and I sat down to play it, and whenever you beat a, a chapter, like a yeah, an act, if you will, like an act for the game, and it, it had like three or four acts, if I recall correctly. Whenever you got to the end of an act, you triggered like a hour movie, and it was like, what? What happened to my video game? Like, cause you're like, you're running around as solid snake and you're like, ah, bah, bah, you know, you're killing everybody you're doing your thing. And then you have to sit down for an hour long prolonged cutscene, a cutscene that you did not get. Like you couldn't just pause it. If I recall correctly, you couldn't skip it. And you, yeah, you could, I don't, I think you're right. I don't think you could pause it. I but think it was, there were a couple it, save points, <laughs> which is, if your if your cutscenes are so long that you need to put in save points, what the fuck? Uh, my point is though, Kojima is known for doing good storytelling. The gameplay has always seemed kind of secondary to him, and that brings us to the next point. Uh, this came out on this article came out on Monday from Kotaku. Kojima says in the future his studio will make films. <sighs> Real quick, before we get into Kojima's films, uh, we record this on the 6th. Mm-hmm. Death Stranding comes out on the 8th. Yes. If you plan on picking it up and playing it, please write into the show and let us know what you think. Yes, we would love to hear what you have, what you have to say. And then we'll read that on next week's episode. But yes, Kojima is now making films? Well, he, he's saying that his studio plans to make films, and he's kind of acknowledging that Basically, you know, films would allow him to do things that games don't. I think we're looking at a a, a, a storytelling auteur that started in the video game medium who never probably should have been there to begin with and is now going to transition into the either the series or film making genres. And I think that's great because uh, I think that's the issue with Death Stranding is like, it sounds like there's a compelling story here, but people are saying it's, it's kind of a miserable slog at times to play through the game itself. So maybe the future of Kojima's strong storytelling belongs either with like a Netflix or through a feature film or something like that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, well, I mean, you said our auteur, so he's never going to get a film made in, in today's right, yeah, because uh, the, the big mouse is just gonna, yeah, yep, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the the giant paw of the big mouse is just going to push him down forever. Uh, I think he should go into comic books. Really, I, I do. Gonna say plumbing. I don't know what you thought. Yep, he should plumbing. throw this all away and uh, go to a Votech school and learn plumbing. <laughs> 
There's always money and shit. Kojima always says that. You can tell by the games he releases. Air conditioner repair. You're always going to need heating and air. That's right. Somebody's always going to need your service. HVAC. No, I, I, I actually think that um, like a long-form storyline could work well for Kojima in, 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 in graphic novels or, or comic books. I think he could do that as like a side thing. I think like his, his creative vision, like his main gig, if it's not going to be video games, it should be films. But I, he's already doing that, Paul. Well, well, arguably that's kind of the point here though, is that his games are already kind of films, right? They, they are. Yeah. They're, they're films with, 10 minutes of playable content <laughs> every two hours. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a 40 hour game, but you're only going to play about three of it. Uh, I don't know. That's just, this is something that hit me this week and it kind of, I, I love the middle gear solid series. Uh, the first couple games were great. And then I ran into the wall that was three or four. I don't remember. It might've been three actually. It was three. Where I'm just like, uh, why is this wall-to-wall movies? Like, and I love movies. I'm like, but that's not what I was trying to get, you know? I was trying to get an exciting... It's four. It was Metal Gear Solid 4 where it was 30-minute, a little bit of gameplay, and then Wait, an yeah, hour. because 3 was Snake Eater, right? Snake Eater, yep. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the, the one where we went back in time. So, yeah. Not literally, like, the storyline didn't go back in time. It was just you went back chronologically it was a prequel yep um yeah anyways so uh, do you think this is live action or do you think he's gonna do what he knows and just do it in cgi cgi movies i think either or is a possibility yeah it's hard to say you see the other issue is so i was talking about this with uh friends of the show simkin and delphine and they uh Delphine had said she was like, I want him to just go make a, sh- a series where he can have all of his weird Hollywood friends be in it. Cause that's really what's going on is he's friends with Norman Reedus and with Guillermo del Toro. And they run in similar circles and stuff. Like these are people that like his work. He likes their work, you know, go do something like that. I think a series is where he should go. I don't think he should make a film. I think he should make like a, a Netflix style, like 10 episode a season series. Let it, he can get weird with it. I think he should take this death stranding property potentially and do his storytelling through a series, you know, rather than trying to, because I mean, the, the people are talking about this being like Euro truck simulator, but you're a person like, cause you're kicking, the character, Chris, this is the part that maybe wasn't so cool. Well, you saw the trailer. You're carrying all this cargo on your back. You're carrying the biggest backpack. He, he looks like a D&D character yes. that hit level, you know, level eight and yes. just has all their was, equipment on him. I was going to say, he looks like the Monty Python Squires. Just <laughs> brought it to the modern age. Uh, he looks like any moment you should turn a corner and somebody will be clicking coconuts together. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Death Stranding. I was really excited to see it. Like all the re- the E3, the reveal trailers and stuff were awesome. I am going to watch somebody on YouTube or Twitch play this game. I am not going to buy this game. I'm not going to play this game myself. But I'm going to watch somebody else play it and see how dope it is. So if you buy it, let us know. 
Uh, and if you regret it, we're so sorry. So, hey, real quick, to go back to what we were talking about with Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. um, I was kidding. I was 100% kidding about no, Spider-Man. No, no, you, you said yeah, your words. Uh, uh, apparently, your your highest one of your highest patrons is going to be happy because someone no, tweeted no. out on the fourth. Now that you've announced Spider-Man Two, if through some uh, some miracle of miracles, Spider-Man is written into the film, I will happily design him for you. To which Phil Lord, the writer and co-producer of the the movie, tweeted back, "He's designed." <laughs> I am speechless. <laughs> With that, we're going to go to the break. <laughs> let you simmer on that. We'll see you in just a moment. Mike here, editor-at-large at the Giant Size Team-Up Network. Patreon.com slash breaking the panel. That's where you go to support the show. We know you like to listen in, but will you support? A lot of your fellow listeners do, and we deeply appreciate it all the way deep down in Phil's grinchy little heart. One of the perks you get by supporting us on Patreon is behind-the-scenes access to the show every week. We record on average about a half hour before we start the show. Then we record everything we talk about during the mid-show break and the post-show wrap-up. And the only place you get that kind of access is at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. Support us if you can. Any amount is perfect. And any minute now, we'll get back to the second half of the show. See ya! Welcome back. I hope that break was awesome. Uh, we are going to talk about a few more things here and we're going to wrap it up. But uh, yeah, uh, so uh, last show, we talked a little bit about the upcoming BlizzCon and how excited I was. I was, I was so excited. Oh, yeah. It was a shame I missed that BlizzCon episode. Well, we talked about a bunch of stuff in gaming, but BlizzCon did oh. come and go over the weekend. Yep, go ahead, Philip. Oh, I, I can no, no, no. I got nothing to say. <laughs> what do you got? Poor Chris just pushed himself away from the. No, I, I watched. I watched uh, Jay Allen's shit show. Jay Allen, <laughs> yeah. So okay, yeah. That, well, then come back to your mic because you're more prevalent than I. Because I haven't watched a fucking thing out of BlizzCon, me, buddy. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's how BlizzCon kicked off, right? Uh, J. Allen Breck, Breck, uh, basically addressed the whole Blitzchung controversy, the you know the free speech controversy, and said. Uh, we acted too harshly, we acted too hastily, and we're really, really sorry. And we're going to do better. To which uh, no one believed them. Because mm-hmm. why would you? And it was a non-apology apology, because there were no specifics in that apology. Yep. It was all jargon and speak. Yeah, it was all co- corporate speak corporate, and yep. lawyer talk. and Yeah, so uh, it kind of, to me, it meant ultimately nothing uh however there were some big reveals at 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 blizzcon uh i'm gonna run through them quickly um diablo 4 it's been announced it had a cinematic trailer it is uh they basically are saying it's a strong return 
to its to Diablo's gothic roots. Uh, they are taking a much darker. <laughs> yeah, Philip, Philip is having his resolve weekend as we speak. Uh, basically, leaning much harder into the gothic horror elements. Uh, something that they kind of drifted away a little bit on with Diablo three. Like Diablo three is a dark game and it's gruesome and everything. Like there's definitely plenty of gothic horror in there, but it's they're really leaning into the atmosphere more. Uh, the cinematic trailer was quite interesting and beautiful in a weird way but i mean blizzard is always like they've always put enough money behind creating amazing trailers uh yeah it's not coming out anytime soon though so don't get your hopes too far up 2027 you think so yeah (laughs) they didn't put a date on it yeah they didn't put a date on it there's still time to scrap it Oh, oh yeah. that, oh, that trailer was pretty. Fu- that was pretty fucking dope. It I was. I was. <laughs> I, it was good. It was so yeah. good. All right. Full disclosure, everybody. Uh, I haven't watched a single piece of footage from Blizzard or BlizzCon mm-hmm. because I have said everywhere that I am done. I've said it on the show. I've said it in public. I've said it on my stream that I will never buy another Blizzard game and I don't believe myself. So therefore, (laughs) if I'm not looking at heroin, I won't do heroin. So I've just completely have removed myself from the situation and everyone's like, yo, Diablo 4 looks pretty dope. And I'm like, yeah, no, you see the black X on my hand? I'm straight edge, man. Uh, I don't need it anymore. I mean, for the horde, I guess. Yeah. So, but so if, you don't, if you don't watch stuff from BlizzCon, then you don't have the opportunity, or from Blizzard, you don't have the opportunity to see the walking hypocrisy meme that J. Allen Brack has become. Yeah. I mean, you have nothing to, you have, you just look at, at his collar and you'll see. Bearing in mind, this guy, this is the man that said, had Blitz Chung not chosen an official Blizzard event to take a, politi- a political stand, there would have been no issue. Bullshit. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's wearing his rainbow-colored Blizzard pin, yep. which is to signify solidarity with the LGBTQ yep. plus community, which I don't take exception to. I take exception to the hypocrisy because you have chosen a political stance and you are showing it at an official Blizzard event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know uh, what to say. You're not wrong. So I don't know. Is that Brock? Is the Brock show? I don't know who that is because uh, all the people that I know from Blizzard no longer work there because uh, they saw the writing on the wall and they either uh, left or were removed from the company. Or they had their souls removed and then asked me if I had cell phones. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> uh, I do now because I need Diablo. Because I need to die. <laughs> Don't you wish your Diablo was dark like me? <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I need more wine. Mm. Uh, in other BlizzCon news, Overwatch 2 was announced. Cinematic trailer, gameplay trailer. Uh, Overwatch 2 is... Okay, so this this one's actually kind of interesting. Uh, so the, the cinematic trailer involves Winston and May. By the way, oh, I, Chris, I don't know if you watched that trailer too. May is the Chinese national character that everybody's using as the icon to protest Blizzard and BlizzCon and everything because she they're like using 
her as the you know what i mean her being one of the central characters of the cinematic for overwatch 2 was such sweet poetic justice because they there was no way they could run away from the may thing like it oh man because it just it was so good uh but yeah the trailer looks pretty cool the gameplay um they're basically doing a they're doing a ui overhaul uh they're sprucing up the graphics a little bit they're also adding a whole bunch of new game modes they're adding pve but here's the big thing all of your skins and progress that you have earned in overwatch will be transferable over to overwatch 2 Overwatch 2 is the biggest mindfuck to me right now. Yeah? Yes, it is. Explain. Well, um, from what I've been hearing from uh, Bill over on Run Jump Stomp, uh, is that any new character introduced or game modes introduced into Overwatch 2 will then be backfitted into Overwatch 1. Mm-hmm. So, and then the only real thing that we're getting in Overwatch 2 is PvE and, and a flush storyline. Yep. Why is this not just DLC that we can purchase for $30? I, yep. And I don't know why this is called Overwatch 2. It's a really interesting, awkward thing. That's why I'm very confused on this, because if they put this out for 40 bucks, hell, even put it out as a $60 DLC pve expansion for your overwatch i i just i don't know why you are doing dual releases because if you have to backfit but you're also making content for the new game that i i i don't get it i really don't i don't understand it uh the new pve content will have uh, like characters will be able to be leveled up and you'll be able to unlock ability trees and stuff like that. Uh, the funny thing about that is people were like, oh, you mean like Team Fortress 2 when they added this whole, it was man versus machine, I think was the name of the mode where they did the exact same thing right down to like having the characters level up and everything. It's like, uh, so one of, one of the big takeaways from BlizzCon is people are like, they really are just leaning into ripping off everybody else's ideas now. Like, it kind of was a meme before, but now they really are. Here's what happens. Yep. You load up Overwatch 2. And then the Skyrim intro. No, no, come <laughs> on! Don't you fucking steamroll my joke, you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and then World of Warcraft Shadowlands, uh, which has a in kind of insane cinematic. Um, yeah, so all three of these had cinematics and then gameplay. Uh, there was also a Hearthstone expansion. I didn't give a fuck enough to watch it, <laughs> but I'm gonna tell. You, I, I don't. Okay, for Philip's sake, I'm not gonna ruin the cinematic for Shadowlands. Uh, they the main features that they're looking to add are a tower that you progress up through levels of and fight. You clear like all the the dudes on the level and you're trying to get as far as you can and you get rewards based on that. Um, Didn't they do that in Mortal Kombat 2? Exactly. Something like that. Um, So here's the funny thing about WoW Shadowlands. People are taking clips from the cinematic and then comparing it to clips from the cinematic or the gameplay of other games, like other MMOs right now. For example, Final Fantasy XIV's big expansion this year 
was called Shadowbringers. And guess what? They added a mode where you go through a tower and clear things on the levels and progress higher and higher and get better rewards the higher you go. How's how's that game do over in China? Is it popular in China? Uh, Final Fantasy, yes. Yeah. Oh, hmm. weird. Hmm. <laughs> Strange. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's actually kind of startling how many similarities there were when people started pointing them out between other projects. Uh, also, ironically, to me, I'm playing Destiny 2. Their expansion that just came out is called Shadowkeep. Blizzard, please. So you, in this new Warcraft, you are climbing to a top of a, sh- a keep that is casted in a shadow. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, weird. Are shadows big in China? <laughs> uh, and the know. Lich King is back. All right. Spoilers. There you go. Uh, okay. And Sylvanas is the new Lich. Got it. 10-4. <laughs> uh yeah there's some other things to go with that but yeah basically uh people for me the big takeaway and some people's other other people's takeaway was they've been cribbing on everybody else again like they used to do and it ain't a good look so yeah they announced a bunch of stuff though this was a as far as announcements go and apparently, uh, one of the articles I read was that the buzz on the floor of the show was positive. So apparently people didn't give a shit about human rights the moment they got their shiny Diablo reveal, and then their Overwatch 2 reveal, and then their WoW Shadowlands reveal. Well, here's my question, because I've literally, like I said before, I've removed myself from the situation and have done zero research. Um, first off, the, fl- the, the, uh, the, the feeling on the floor is going to be normal because they've paid $200 to be on that floor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Not how they felt last year. Uh, yeah, fair. But, but with that said, well, you, you know what? You're right. You're right. And then I'll recant all the way to, yeah, when, when, when you get shinies, uh, w- when you're pulling out perps, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any issues with protests or, or, or yeah. anything like during, during like Q and A's? Uh, I don't believe there was anything during Q and A's. I know that there were protests outside mm-hmm. and, uh, I know that the local police were like there on hand, like they would always be. And they were not interfering with the protests. Also that the protests were very specifically not protesting blizzard. They were protesting, you know, what, uh, the people's Republic of China is doing to, the Taiwanese people in Hong Kong. Yeah. So Lots of Sioux bears and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, well, and basically they're like, listen, yeah, Blizzard happens to be at the center of this controversy right now. We're going to use this as the opportunity to talk about this issue and, you know, protest regarding it. But they were very specifically not targeting Blizzard's, like, just like going after them directly. And I think that was to basically avoid getting removed because then Blizzard can't say, well, they're here harassing our event. Sure. They're just here, you know, so. It's a little surprising that um, nobody during a Q&A said anything. Oh, they did, though. Oh, did they? they? I, I said I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, so no, no, they did. So they were um, free Taiwan now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like several, several, like, that's, they would, there were people that would get up to the mic to ask a question. 
that's all they would say. And then they'd walk away. And so the way, if you uh, listeners don't know, is that all these questions before they are asked at BlizzCon are vetted. You have to put out what you're going to say, then allows you to go up to the mic if, if your question or anything is appropriate to, to be said. And then once you get the mic, obviously you can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but yeah, so, so you had multiple of those. Yeah. Free- there was one, there was one scene where the, the MC was trying to ask a guy at the front of the line a question. And there was this younger kid. He looked like maybe he was 12 or 13 and he's just shouting it. He's just like free Taiwan now, free Taiwan now, free Taiwan now. And then like the presenter was finally like, did you have something you wanted to say? The kid said it again and then he sat down. Hmm. So, I but don't. I mean, I, the panel, the problem with it was, um, it was it was a question to I can't remember what game I can't remember which uh, which panel it was, but like these are producers and and people involved with the making of the game. They're not people that are involved with mm-hmm. with Blizzard's corporate strategy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean you're you're kind of hitting the wrong people when you do that. And the guy that's the MC, he was just trying to keep things going and thought he could defuse the situation, which he did because as soon as the kid said the thing, he sat down or went away, whatever happened. So the thing about that though is. BlizzCon digital tickets are sold for BlizzCon, right? For yep. the presentations. So I actually think that it is it is useful to protest those Q and A's because they broadcast them. So mm-hmm. you force them to be confronted with the issue. Not every con is like that. Like it, I mean, we know that DragonCon, for example, there's dozens, hundreds of panels inside rooms and stuff that never get broadcast to anywhere. And so if you were to protest in those panels, it would probably it'd be at the tiniest of blips. But this is something where almost everything is broadcast to the internet, at least as far as major panels go. So getting up there and taking that opportunity. The other thing that I had heard about is that people walked out together. So like everybody would go in and sit down. And then as the presentation started at various events and panels and announcements and stuff, huge sections would just get up together and leave like a couple dozen people. And Mm -hmm. so they would all get up calmly and file out. And so there would be these big patches of no, nobody in chairs in the audience for these events. I thought that was kind of a, I, it feels a lot like all of this protesting was planned very deliberately to be as productive as possible. Like mm. we're getting our message out there, but we're not doing something that's just going to straight get any of us kicked out or, you know, arrested or anything like that. We are laser focused on getting the message out there without causing undue disruption. We're in, we're super inconvenient and blizzard definitely doesn't want us to be here doing this, but we're not breaking any laws. We're not breaking any rules per se. So they can't really come after us. I think that was all very deliberate. I wish uh, during like the Overwatch championships, you would do what they do at high school basketball games where everybody just takes out newspapers and uh, would rather read that than than watch the actual event. (laughs) They didn't even have a band this year, man. Like in years past, they've had big ticket names like, you know, Tenacious D or Blink-182, Weird Al Yankovic. They didn't even do a band, like a big name band. They had two smaller closing acts that were competing at the same time, but I don't know. I don't care. I do care, but I, I yeah, won't say it. I, I, 
Philip, we all know you care. If fucking Diablo 4 comes to Switch like it will, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm kind of pissed because that's not that's not announced on the release schedule because I'm probably, we're getting a switch for the kids this year so I was kind of hoping that it would be spoilers um, I mean they're listeners yeah. <laughs> it's two listen downloads we get from from your kids um, it, it will be I mean Diablo three came to the switch so yeah but how long did it take it was oh well the game came out in 2012 and it came out exactly. last year so. <laughs> but also the switch two sixty. <laughs> Uh, you all have switches, don't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'll be on the Switch streaming platform. <laughs> I, I, I um, you know, they just released Overwatch One on the Switch, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Blizzard Activision is now pretty bought in to, to the They're Nintendo the Switch. Switch yeah, no, unlike EA, but yeah. that's in a whole another fucking story. Hey, so I just put something in the uh, in the host chat that I found, um, or not in the host chat, in the exec chat. But uh, uh, this is kind of a, a culmination of things we've talked about since we saw Peter Cushing and uh, Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, this digital mapping. So it looks it looks like James Dean's family sold his likeness rights to a studio and now that studio is going to put him in a movie hmm. with an actor voicing him. They're going to hundred percent CGI him into a movie. Why? And I, I, exactly. Why? Why? Why don't you have the actor that's voicing him just play the freaking part? I don't know, man. They didn't, they, they, it, the article says they don't really have an answer either. That's an interesting concept that would open up, a realm of possibilities. With I'm trying to figure out how you prote- how do you protect yourself as an IP now? So like when this wasn't a thing, people weren't able to sign those sign the documents that you should probably go out and sign now that that you are the sole holder of the rights to your image and they may not be sold in the future. Well, with those early Hollywood actors, that wasn't a thing. But but I believe even like with you know, musicians from the sixties and seventies that, that became prevalent with, with the, the families and the kids. Like I, I think the Marley family has the rights to, to Bob Marley's, uh, you know, self, his, his image, his likeness, yeah. his likeness, you know, but I think a lot of these early Hollywood actors, um, to, you know, that, that wasn't something that they ever had to worry about. But is that is that likeness rights for to like to create new with their image or to accept the royalties off of things when used? I, like I'm almost positive of T-shirts and posters. No, and I think that. it's the right to the actual imaging. But if this I mean, this is creating new is the thing, you know what I mean? Oh, we're gonna have a new Marilyn Monroe movie. As long as it's on Pornhub. See, uh, no. <laughs> Uh, I, I I think this is wildly disrespectful. I, I do too. I, well, I, I, what was that commercial in the early 2000s, late 90s of uh, old Hollywood actor dancing with uh, with a vacuum cleaner? Oh, you, Fred Astaire? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and everybody was like, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why yeah, are you doing this? Or was that just, was that one of the numbers from a movie and they... And they CGI'd a vacuum into his hand, and because it was the, uh, I can't remember what movie it was. 
But Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nailed it. Die Hard yeah, with no, a Vengeance. This is just, sorry, I mean I don't want to sidetrack us, but this is just this is this is weird. This this I, I ah. And again, like wh- why? What? It's it's not James Dean. So what? What does that lend to your movie? What credibility? What what does that, other than this is a weird thing? Like this is a this is an oddity. So you're gonna so, get eyes on it because of that. So I think okay. So we all agree that like when you do like what was done with Peter Cushing or what's going to be done or kind of has been done and will be done with uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. When you're basically like you have a big franchise, you have somebody who's not with us anymore, and you're trying to just smooth things out a little bit. That's I think we all pretty much find that as long as it's done respectfully, it's fine. But when you're literally just going to resurrect somebody digitally and put them in a movie, that just feels really, really fucked up to me, man. Like that just it feels wrong. I I have no problem with them with with any production casting somebody to play that person. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that is fine. Um yeah, it just that's really weird and awkward and like please don't do it. Like stop. Um I, I mean what does this do to deep fake? Like well, you know, yeah. what does this do? Well, that was, you know, well, that's, that's a thing, right? Okay. So if you don't know what Chris just said, deep fakes are these, they're digital renderings of people that are pretty much at this point, indistinguishable from real life. Like one of the ones that blew my mind that I saw in the past week was somebody took Indiana Jones and put Tom Selleck's face into it because Tom Selleck was originally going to be Indiana Jones, I guess at one point, like there were talks about it. And like, so like the, the famous scene from temple of doom on the rope bridge, they've got him standing on the rope bridge and they've CGI'd Tom Selleck's face onto Harrison Ford's body. And you can tell that it's CGI'd on because you know that it's supposed to be Harrison. <laughs> Like that, it looked pretty legit. And I was like, this is, you know, and you know, you cracked the Pornhub joke earlier. This has been done with, with famous celebs too before. Like there have been really obscene videos made. And I'm not talking about like leaked stuff that is legit. I'm talking about people have been doing this for years, mm-hmm. taking porn stars and put and superimposing famous actor or actresses on, on their bodies and making it seem like it's them. The deep fake future is really scary because we're, we're so dangerously close to a reality where we don't know what's real anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like seeing video evidence of something between CG, the quality of CGI and how we can make things almost indistinguishable from real life and the same thing being done with people and it's believable. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, 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 the Jim Carrey shining scene was, was nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the side by side with him and Jack, and I mean, even if for for as funny as they are, the, the, the George Lucas watching <laughs> watching modern Star Wars stuff, just shitting all over them. They're, I mean, they're beautiful, <laughs> they're funny, but it is it is crazy the the quality of these videos. And I mean, when we're living in an age where we're already being told that you can't trust the media and you can't trust, you know, mm-hmm. 
experts in their field, and now this enters the equation in a way that hasn't been seen yet. Uh, yeah, this is, it's kind of scary, honestly. And I, I kind of can't wait to see what Marty has to say about it. <laughs> Philip, what do you think about this? I hate it. <laughs> but, I mean, I understand it that Chris Kattan needs work and he doesn't look like James <laughs> Dean. <laughs> this Chris is how... Kattan this is, is how... <laughs> this is how Bill Hader is going to have work forever, right? Oh, man. Uh, man. I can't wait till somebody superimposes <laughs> Martin Scorsese in one of these hard games <laughs> <laughs> into an Iron Man suit. <laughs> uh, no, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Um, you know, it's one thing to, um, like you said, Paul, to smooth out, you know, storylines inside the Star Wars universe, but to do an entire fucking film. Uh, why? 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 To make more money off of somebody who has no consent? to being in a movie like that's fucking that's insane mm-hmm. absolutely insane it doesn't make sense to me but technology will destroy us all and uh, none of this actually matters it's funny you should say that because i went to the movie theater to watch a cautionary tale about how technology could destroy us all <laughs> it was called terminator dark fate uh, I, I'm just going to give my little short review. Uh, I thought it was good. It was enjoyable. It's not a masterpiece. Uh, it, the writing is a little wonky at times, but it was fun. Uh, it does raise for me, I think I said this before when I saw The Predator in the theater. I don't have a problem with action movies being okay. Right? Like, I think it's okay for them to not be Marvel levels of amazing every single time. Uh, And I'd like to see more of that kind of stuff being made, as long as it's at least somewhat decent. The action is pretty high quality, though. Uh, Friend of the show, Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender, he did his review, and I only caught, like, the first, like, maybe minute or so of it because I hadn't seen it yet and I didn't want to have anything spoiled, but I wanted to get his overall initial impression. So I clicked on his video on Facebook, and he said that he had a good time, that he felt that uh, that Arnie was the heart and soul of the franchise, and it was nice to see him and Linda Hamilton back in the same film. Uh, but he said something really compelling to me or that was compelling to me. He didn't say it directly to me. He said it to the world. Uh, And that is that Mackenzie Davis, the female lead from this film, uh, who you might know from uh, the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero, you might know from Halt and Catch Fire and a few other things. uh, She would have been perfect to play Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel in the MCU. And he wished that they had cast her instead of Brie Larson. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. Actually, I don't even know if we recorded that. No, part. we didn't. No, we did not. So I, I just want to present that to you guys. Do you guys? I don't know how familiar either of you are with Mackenzie Davis, but I think she's the bee's knees. I think she's one of the best up-and-coming actresses in the business right now. She was in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Twenty forty-nine. I mean, she's in the greatest movie ever created in the last twenty years, and she was in The Martian as well. So. 
to play Carol Danvers, though. Mm. I'm about it. I know you. I know you are. She was in Blade Runner 204099 and a Wes Anderson movie. I'm trying to figure out your what you were saying. The Martian. Because uh, you said the greatest movie that's been made in the last twenty years. He's yeah, a, no. I was assuming that a Wes Anderson movie was going to. Be he directed movie. Blade Runner twenty twenty forty nine. No, he did not. That <laughs> that's that's why that movie was so quirky and entertaining for everybody. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was she sitting in the back of the pickup truck in Infinity War? Yeah. With <laughs> rocket. Smoking Lucky Strike cigarettes as the Kinks slowly played upon that. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Endgame. Endgame. Some because I know I know Kyle's out there. Like it was Endgame, you dumb dick. Oh man. So, yeah, you don't remember. Anyway, I'm not going to keep riffing on that. Um. Hmm. That's a good. That's a. That's an interesting proposal. Um. And without seeing her in. Terminator, I can't actually speak on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's three inches taller than Larson, so she's got a little more stature to her. Um, I don't know. The, to me, and we, we this is what we discussed during the show, I think a lot of the major complaints about Brie Larson, how much of that is Brie and how much of that is writing and directing. And even to some degree, editing. I mean, maybe it wasn't the, you know, preferred take of either the actress or the director that's made it it's what made it onto the onto the screen mm. um i'm not super familiar with her uh san junipero is probably the only place that i would really recognize her from um because i was not even the you know the martian in 2049 i, I completely mm. i didn't make that link until you'd said that uh, i didn't remember her in the martian but then i was reminded yeah 2049 uh for frame of reference if you're like who and you saw 2049 she was the prostitute mm-hmm. and she was awesome like she was harrison ford oh <laughs> 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 uh, no she was she was pretending to be harrison ford who was actually burt reynolds pretending to be tom Selleck. <laughs> Defaked as, <laughs> as the dog, as, yeah, as Scooby Doo. All right, moving. It was all mo. It was all Andy Circus mocap. Yep. <laughs> the Scooby Snacks gives them to me. <laughs> I love it when we break Philip. It's my favorite. Oh. Uh, Nash him stick and put him in a stew. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, That's it for the dark fake conversation. Chris, you had a... I had the most incredible Sunday. You did? It was... It was... uh, For any of the kids in the audience, it was the boobies. It was it was so awesome. So I went and saw uh, Jane Simon Bob uh, reboot Roadshow tour. Uh, Jay and and Kevin are are they're doing it guerrilla style. They're they're taking the movie, the new movie across the country. They're showing it at locations in uh, metropolitan areas. They do uh, fan stuff on the front side, and then on the back end they have their normal Q and A. And in the middle of it, you get to see this wonderful movie. Uh, my my quick review on the movie is just that. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's literally everything you want from your view of universe movie. Um, 
I was telling Kim, she's like, why do you like it so much? Is it just a nostalgia thing? And I said, it's because we're aging with Kevin. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, it's, it's not pure nostalgia. It's these, these characters in this universe where we were when we saw them is where we were when we, when we picked back up on Clerks 2. Um, you know, going forward, everywhere that these movies end up, it's basically where we are in life. And this is no different. Like, this is, it's so good. Uh, Jay is stellar in this movie. And Harley, the scenes that they have together, it's amazing. Uh, ben Affleck, um, he gets a really great monologue in, like, chasing Amy level monologue uh, to yeah. whether you're, you're talking about uh, Joey Lauren Adams or, uh, or Kevin Smith's chasing Amy speech. Uh, I mean, this is just, it's good. It, there, there are tears. I told Kevin Jay and, and I said, and by extension, you need to tell Harley damn her. I need my tears back because it's, it's good. I mean, this is, this movie is about um, being a father, not necessarily knowing that you're a father, but being a father and how you deal with that. Um, and then like, dealing with the knowledge that you weren't there for a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't by choice. Um, it's just, they're so personal. Like they're goofy Kevin Smith movies. You know, they, they've got the, the dick and fart jokes and the weed humor you would expect. But at the same time, there's so much heart wrapped up into that package that it's too easy for people to overlook it. Or, you know, people that didn't grow up with those films, watch clerks and say, Oh, that was cool. And immediately go and watch clerks too. And be like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let's give it 20 years. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there, you know? Um, but regardless, so I got, I was, I was, uh, I got to do a fan meet and greet where I got to spend time with, with these two pod fathers, these, 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 these legends in the industry to whatever degree in my mind, they're a lot higher than some people probably hold them in regard. But, um, so they take me into this stairwell, um, you know, all nice wooden and there's like wood paneling on the, on the walls. And as I'm sitting there waiting, uh, this nice young lady with a British accent, she says, uh, uh, just a minute, um, we'll call you in when, when they're ready to meet with you. And I said, okay, too easy. Um, and as I'm sitting out there thinking, I'm like, this is either going to be the coolest thing I've ever done, or this is going to be my very first shameful casting couch experience. And so I thought that, and I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to say that. That's how I'm entering the room. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit that out to Kev. I'm going to disarm these motherfuckers. I'm going in swinging. Going for bear. And I walk in, and, and I know. Like, so she was in the room, so I know she's the one that told him my name, right? So uh-huh. on the back end, I, I can rationalize all this. I'm like, okay, you're an idiot. You fell for it. But I walk in the room. There's Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes in front of me, and Kevin's like, open arms, big arms. He's like, Chris, man, come on in. I'm so glad you could make it. And I was like, oh. He said my name. <laughs> and I was just like, just full, big arms. He comes up, like, he hugs me. Jay's there, and, like, he's got his hand out, and, like, I shake his hand. He kind of pulls me in and gives me a little hug. And Kevin's like, so, tell me, what are you doing here? And I was like, pulls me over to this table, and they got some merch. They got some shirts there. Um, he's like, hey, do you, he's like, pick a shirt, man. It's yours. And Jay's like, yeah, what size do you need? And like, so I point to the shirt, and I do it. And Jay signs the shirt, and Kevin signs the shirt. And um, he's, uh, Kevin's like, so what's your story, man? Tell me about yourself. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. So this is where I finally got a little bit of my composure back. Because they were like, they were on, like, they just make you feel welcome. And it was cool. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get over that, 
that uh, that that fan hump like you're they're they're real people so it's a little easier to get relatable and I'm, so i i did have the the awareness at that point to be like all right now check this out i'm going to tell you some shit that's going to blow your mind and and he's kevin so he says the you know the big eyes like what, what the fuck i'm like i kind of look to my left and i look to my right like i'm gonna tell the secret i'm like I've got a podcast. (laughs) 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 And then, so to this, so I'm like, so Jay laughs and Kevin kind of cracks a smile, but then he fucking turns it on me and he's all like, he's like fucking hot, turns that hat around and goes, uh, he's like, he's like, all right, man, you got a podcast, like pull out a recorder, let's record something right now, let's do this. And I'm like, so we don't, um, we're having some technical issues tonight. Um, next week, we'll put it on the show, and Charles will be back, and we'll all kind of live react to the. Uh, I'll call it a pseudo interview. I didn't really ask a lot of questions because I, I was not prepared to ask him questions. Um, I was kind of fumbling with my phone because I was like, oh man, should we do this video or whatever? And I was like, screw that. And I pulled out the digital recorder that I had, pulled that out because I was like, okay, we can do this. And he was like, ah, good man, you've got everything you need. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. So, you know, we had our little discussion. Um, and uh, I hand, uh, I came in with two, uh, two swag bags for these guys uh, with a shirt and then uh, stickers and buttons and some magnets from other shows on the network. And I'm telling Kev before we start the interview thing, I'm like, I was like, yeah, I, uh, my show is breaking the panel. I'm on there with three other co-hosts uh, and we're all partners of the Giant Size Team Up Network because know- by that time he had noticed the shirt, the shirt that, uh, that our friend of the show, Emily Swan, a uh, swan named Emily, uh, we'll make sure to link her social media and stuff in the show notes. Uh, she worked with me and we made a custom shirt for Jay and Bob. Uh, and it's got the GSTU, uh, stamp on it. And they were like, Oh, that's a cool shirt. Where'd you get that? I was like, had it made. And, uh, Kevin's like, Oh, that's really cool. I'm like, don't worry, dude. There's one for you in the bag. And I was like, and you've got one too, Jay. And like, Jay starts digging through the bag. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> we've got, we've got shows from all over. I was like, we're international. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, we've got a show in Australia. And like at that, like that exact moment, Jay pulls out the toy power magnet. And I was like, that's it right there, toy power. I was like, that's, that's four, Austra- four dudes in Australia that talk about toys uh, collecting and then pop culture. I was like, they're great. They're great guys. Production quality on that show is stellar. I was like, you guys should give them a listen sometime. I said, we've got a D&D show, to which Jay, like, he gets a big smile. I said, ah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I said, it's, production quality is, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, I said, I said another show that cares, that cares a lot about the production and the quality of their show um, these are guys that, that get drunk, they're assholes to each other. And it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a group of friends playing D and D. It's like, you guys really dig it. It's nothing too pretentious. Um, and so, you know, I did what I could, uh, talk up the shows on the network. I talked up Emily, uh, we did our interview thing. And then, uh, they, um, we were talking about pictures and they're like, okay, so we're going to do selfies and you get, still get to go downstairs. You're going to take pictures with us. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So I was like, there's, Hey, so there's, there's this one thing that I want to do. And they're like, what's that? And I said, you know, I, I wanted to help out some friends. They don't know I'm doing this. And, they're, uh, and they said, okay, what's that? And I said, I've got this piece of paper here. Oh, oh, before I get to that. So there's a, because the piece of paper is in the book. I had my book of uh, tough shit there. It's Kevin Smith's autobiography um, that I wanted him to sign. And he like takes it. Uh, well, Jay took it. He started signing it. And Kev was like, he's like, man, I'm really glad you could make the show. I'm like, Kev, every time you're in, anytime you're in town and I can make it, I'm here. This is the third or fourth time I've seen you. I said, and it's funny. Because you see that bookmark in there? He's like, yeah. I said, no shit. That's the receipt from when you were here at the Improv in 2015. And then, like, opens it up and looks at it, and that's exactly what it is. It's Kevin Smith Improv 
where I purchased a ticket there. Um, so we all had a good chuckle. And then, uh, so then we get into the, uh, so then he's like, what's this piece of paper? I pulled a piece of paper out of the back and I'm like, so the D&D show that I was telling you about, they've got this read that they do at the beginning of every episode. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, you want me to, you want me to read something? Do it. What, what do you got? I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is so perfect. I'm like, you don't mind if we put this on video, do you? Cause I had the digital recorder. I'm like, you don't mind if I do this video, do you? He's like, oh no, man, come on, we'll do it like a selfie and we'll all get in there. And so, you know, he gets down and, and he's like this, and he's holding it up, and they're Jay, he and Jay are talking about it, and uh, they're you're getting the camera ready or whatever, and uh, that was when I got to make my joke, and and Jay got to play with me. That was cool because so Kevin's like, all right, so I'm just reading off this paper, and I was like, yeah, and only read the shit that's on the paper, <laughs> and then Jay like jumped right. I was like, yeah, no ad libbing because that's early on in his career. Kevin was big about that. He used to get on Affleck about ad libbing lines like that shit ain't in the script. Don't you say that. <laughs> So it's good. And then, uh, you know, they, uh, he had the camera up and he was going to hit record and he was like, no, Jay, you hit record. So I don't have to move and all this. And then we recorded the intro for botched and it was, it was glorious. It was, it was, it was pie in the sky when I walked in to be able to get this. And so I got it and then, uh, we run out of time and, um, we go downstairs to take the photos, um, cause we do the selfies or whatever. And you guys saw the selfies and I'm sure Michael pull one or two of the selfies to fit on with the show art. Um, and uh, we go downstairs and I didn't want M thinking that she's not getting her due. But what we decided was when we go downstairs and they do the professional photo, I'm just waiting for those to be up on the site so I can download them. Um, they each held up the shirts. They each held up their shirt and I took off my jacket. And I, so it's M's art is going to be front and center on these photos. Uh, when we share them and that's when I'll link all of her social media to it. Cause I want to make sure she had like a high res, good quality photo. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome. Like they were so accommodating with that. They were cool as stuff. They, uh, the only reason that they wouldn't, they didn't put the shirts on, which is what I was really hoping for. Cause I knew I was going to be in line for that Q and a at the end. Cause mm-hmm. I'm that guy. Uh, I was going to, like I was hoping they'd be wearing the shirts. I'm going, Oh, that's a dope ass shirt. Where'd you get that? Um, but I didn't get that opportunity. Um, yeah. But as we were leaving, so the first time when I left them before I went to go down and take the pictures, uh, the same British gal was taking me downstairs. And I was like, oh, crap, I forgot. I've got a thing for Kev. Do I have time to run that back into him? And she's like, what is it? I can give it to him. And I'm like, I, I'm not sure that I should hand it off to you to give because I don't want to cause any problems for you. And she's like, what is it? Um, We'll just say it was a fancy cigarette. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and so we're downstairs. So we're downstairs. We do that. We do the, the professional photo. I'm like, hey, Kev, I got one more thing for you. He's like, what's that? And he's walking towards my jacket with me. I'm like, hey, I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago. And he, like, he was already tracking. He's like, you got it first. And I'm like, I, just, I, I was like, for sure, I wanted to make sure I didn't come to you empty handed. And then I had all the other stuff. And this, so this is just icing on the cake. And I pulled out of the pocket. He looks at it. And it's like in this cool plastic container. Because again, it's a fancy cigarette, right? He kind of pops it open and he's, he smells the tobacco. Um, and he's like, yeah. he's like, oh man, he's like, you're a lifesaver. <laughs> Um, I, cause I figured he's going to have his, his stash with him, right? Of fancy mm-hmm. cigarettes. Um, so this elicited another big hug from him. Uh, but so when they get to the Q and a, that's when you find out that he and Jay, they decided they were going to do this gorilla style. So when they used to travel and do, um, uh, Jay and silent Bob get old live all over the country. And a lot of the, the <clears throat> evening with Kevin Smith, he had a bus cause he, he didn't want to fly because you know, he was too fat to fly. 
Um, so he got a bus after the whole Southwest incident. Um, and he used to travel around the country in the bus. Well, he got rid of the bus a few years ago and they decided they were going to do it gorilla style. And Jay sold him on it. He's like, nah, man. He's like, if we're taking this to the people, let's take it to the fucking people. Let's drive. You and me, we'll hop in the car. You sit in the back and sleep and I'll fucking drive us. And Kevin's like, okay, man, yeah, let's do that. And he's like, and I can work my social media while we're doing this. It'll be cool. And he's like, that motherfucker hasn't driven, driven one mile. He's like, I'm driving <laughs> everywhere. And Jay's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was cool uh, but so then i'm like oh shit so maybe he's is relying on the kindness of strangers because otherwise he's he's transporting all these fancy cigarettes across multiple state lines and he doesn't have the proper tax stamps and this could cause an issue um but so yeah that's uh the gist of the story uh, it was it was so cool oh so so we're sitting down so i go down we get the pictures taken and it's probably another 20 minutes before 20 or 30 minutes before the show starts. So I, I sent into the host chat. I was just like, Hey, is anybody good at ripping audio off a of video? And I wait, I wait like a hunter in the duck blind and none <laughs> of you motherfuckers played with me. None of you. I was getting so pissed off. So, so all right, let's, let's, so let me interject right here. So we are live on Twitch at G, uh, twitch.tv slash GSU media at the point that this message comes through. And uh, I, I look at my phone and I'm like, yeah, no, fuck that dude. No, I, I got time to answer this message. And I just keep playing pirate games with, with my, you know, the favorite bro amigos of the stream apocalypto. And then we go on break. <laughs> well, so, so 20 minutes later, Tony, find, well, I, I send another, I send a GIF, like a, a dude tapping the mic, like check one, two, one, two, Dennis answers. Tony's like, what do you need? I upload the video. And then I put a hashtag asking for friends. And you go to break. Yeah. We, so we go to break and just before break, I pull out my phone and I mute for a second and then I realize what's going on. Like I start playing the video and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I stop it. I set it down. Philip is oblivious. He's doing, he's like driving the boat. He's like, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is right where it's supposed to be, which is constantly playing my head as I steer a boat. In, in Sea of Thieves uh, every Sunday night over at twitch.tv slash GSU Media. And, and yeah. we hit this moment where my phone, um, when I stream, is constantly right here resting on, on the screen that I play on. And it, it is just vibrating constantly <laughs> to the point where Paul midstream is like, you need to look at your phone yeah. now. So I, I, I turn the phone on and I see that there's a video and the still image is Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, and, and Chris Wisdom. And I said, mm, all right, I will mute my mic real quick and we will do this and I'll watch this. So I, I, I look over to my trusty Berger soundboard and I turn down my, my mic knob so that nobody can hear me listen to this except it was my headphone knob that i turned down <laughs> and not yep. my mic knob so i turn that down and i hit play and i'm watching this video and kev's like all right we're good everyone good everyone's good and he goes into the botched 
intro and I completely melt down and lose my shit live on, on stream. I fell out of my chair. I freaked out over by my guitars. If you're watching the video over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, I open up the door and run out. And this is like 10 o'clock at night. Right. And I'm screaming. I am yes. screaming. I have a child who is sleeping. <laughs> I have a wife who does not want me to run out of my room, my studio, <laughs> screaming at the top of my lungs. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Over and over again, hyperventilating, semi-drunk, trying to compartmentalize what is going on. And it is not going well. <laughs> To the point where I think I'm still muted as I'm doing all of this. And I come back and I realize when I can't hear anybody and the chat's going wild with like, oh my God, we don't know what's going on. This is hilarious. Now it's my responsibility midstream to not only enlighten the crowd that has, has <laughs> gathered around us what is going on, but also simultaneously post it on three different social media sites. <laughs> And everyone's like, where's the tweet? Where's the tweet? Why haven't you tweeted it yet? We don't know why you're freaking out, but it seems pretty important. So to fur add further texture to that, Kurt had a work thing come up in the middle of the stream as well, right in the middle of this. So he mutes in his AFK during the stream, but we can see him. And then Philip mutes cook mutes philip <laughs> philip keating mutes you know what i mean which is which is to say mute. that he doesn't mute except when he thinks he does uh, uh so philip is either he has a super state of either he mutes and he didn't really mute or he doesn't ever unmute yeah but that's not the point uh so philip is freaking out and i'm like by myself on this boat talking to chat <laughs> and i'm like everything is fine i know why he's freaking out i know what's going on i'm like but I also didn't know I didn't want to like bear the lead on you because I was like, this is this is Chris and Phillips thing. Like I did, do not want to tell everybody in chat what's going on until you because I didn't know if you were going to do a big surprise with it or whatever. But you decided to post it right away. So I'm like, well, let's just say that uh, some dudes who are into snoochie, smoochie boochies are uh, they read the, the intro read for botched and Philip was losing his mind for good cause. And then Bean of all people is like. Who's Kevin Smith? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, so, so, so look, right? So I posted to the botch Discord, like, this is a thing. Uh, boy, every, oh man. And literally half our patrons on botch were like, it's just fucking two dudes, man. What, what are you talking about? Who are, who are these old fucks? And I was just like, Oh my God. He's the reason I have a job at Blockbuster for 10 years because I wanted to be fucking Randall and just shit on all my customers. He's the reason I went to film school. You dumb motherfuckers. Now give me more money, please. It's, it's very funny how the younger there's a line. There's a Kevin Smith line. Yeah. And, it, and, and if you didn't grow up above that line, it never hits you. And that's just poor parenting. Yeah. <laughs> Comes down to bad parents. Uh, I mean, the, the, like you said, uh, everything you just said, like we've talked about Kevin before. I mean, he's 
been incredible for podcasting. He's been incredible for just go out there and fucking do the thing, right? Like his story of how he made clerks, he racked up like 40 grand in credit card debt to make in his own name to make clerks. He just made it. He wanted to make it. Um, you know, our first quote unquote celebrity interview, you know, was Mike Zapsick from comic book men who works at the stash, which is his comic book store in red bank. Like, and that Chris, like you set that up. Like Chris is, has long been a devotee of, uh, of everything view askew. And it's just so crazy. Like my mind was just thinking about that the whole time. Like when I saw that happening, it was like, cause we knew Chris was going, I knew Chris, you were going to try to talk to him. And like, I hope I was, my big thing is I hope he has a great time. I hope it's like this amazing night. And he's like, yeah, they were so cool. It was so awesome to hang out. And, and you just came away with a great story. I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought that you would be so sneaky as to get them to do the, the botched read and, and any of the other stuff you've laid. Certainly not some of the other stuff you've talked about right now, which may or may not have to make it on a director's cut of this episode <laughs> to be discussed at a later time. Uh, yeah, no, it's, that's just such an awesome story, but it, it really does it speaks to how genuine those dudes are, you know? And like, it, it's, it's not a shtick, right? Like Chris, you, mm. you, you had FaceTime with them. It's not a shtick, right? It's not, it's really not. And you know, the cool thing was, was so fast forward to the, after the movie, I'm second in line for the Q and a, because again, I'm that guy. I don't go to a Kevin Smith event and not ask a question. Um, and I'm second in line. And Kevin recognized me. He's like, hey, Chris. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, and he's like, tell who you are. And I was like, all right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, uh, the obligatory thing. He's like, go for it, man. I'm like, all right, I'm Chris, uh, Chris Wisdom, co-host of Breaking the Panel on Giant Size Team Up Network. Uh, check us out. And I, I threw out the website. Um, and then went into it. It was just, oh, it was good. So then my question, like, I don't. I didn't get into my question right away. I said, you know, Kev, I said, I'm glad I get, get some more. I, I'm glad I get to talk to you. I was like, I'd love to get you on the show because I've, I have got a Walt Flanagan story that you don't know, my friend. Thinking I'd hook him. And I did. I hooked him because he got big eyes. And I, and I said, but this is not the time or place for that. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, what the fuck do you mean? It's not the time or place for Walt Flanagan story. You fucking you fucking suck his dick? <laughs> I was like, we got to link up so I can share this story with you. It's too good. And so In a really row? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So now I'm just trying to hit him up on social media just to, to try and get him to, to play back. So uh, he's, he's going he's gonna to be on the show. I can feel it. We're going to get him at some point. Oh, even that if would I have be to the most him. incredible thing. <laughs> It, it, Except for our, you know, our younger demographic. They so let me tell you, Chris, and I'm going to get a little bit personal here. Um, uh, and and a little bit stuff about my wife, a little, <laughs> well, this, this might go deeper than your wife. Uh, uh, so I had no idea that you were doing this at all for, for, for the show, for either show breaking the panel or Bosch. Uh, I, I, we, we knew that you were going and, and we talked about, you know, a, a a, a, a network plan on how this was going to go, but I, I can never repay you what you have done 
Christopher Wisdom. Um, the well, joy you that you... if you respect the rules of the road. Well, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm, uh, I'm not that good of a comedian to, to understand those rules. Um, but it really, it really meant a, a fuck ton a lot to me. Um, and, and all the boys on the show and, and all the, you know, parents and spouses for all of us, we, we lost our absolute shit because of you, because you did this. Um, and it, it really, it really came ahead to me last night. Um, after I got over the, the outlast stream that I did is that it's, it's very bittersweet for me because surprisingly enough, um, the first time I ever watched dogma, I watched with my father and my father being a devout Catholic, I didn't know how this movie was going to go with him. And he loved every fucking minute of it. And he understood that it was a satire. And, and, and that opened up this strange window of me and my father watching clerks together. And we've watched mall rats together. And the only thing I can reflect on is that how fucking insanely proud and happy he would have been to hear this intro be read by a director that he actually, you know, for some reason as a 70 year old man understood and enjoyed his movies. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's a bittersweet moment for me because he will never, you know, he didn't get the opportunity to hear that intro be read, but I know he would have gone fucking crazy if he was here still to hear it. So I thank you for that. Um, and it really fucking floored me last night to think about that. And that's something literally, even if your balls were on my chin for a good six hours, it would not be long enough to repay you for that feeling. <laughs> so no need, man. It's no need. That's it's, it's like I told in the, uh, what was that in the, the dragon con discord? I, I had an opportunity to help some friends. And so I did. It means a lot to me. What's what it is, buddy. <laughs> so after we make jokes about sucking your dick and my dad, my dead dad, let's get into our last bits. Uh, we, we, we normally talk about humble bundle and, uh, and steam sales and the steam black Friday autumn sale, uh, time and date has leaked. Um, and we always like to bring deals to you listeners when it comes to PC gaming. And it looks like November 26th to December 3rd is going to be our Steam sale this year for the Thanksgiving break. Uh, check that out uh, whenever you can. Sometimes they give games away uh, for free. That's how I got Left 4 Dead 2 free on the PC. Um, and then our winter sale for, for Christmas will be December 19th to January 2nd. So any deals that you've missed through that uh, Thanksgiving sale, you can have the opportunity in December to pick them back up or roll the dice to see if the price will be cheaper uh, three weeks after the Black Friday sale has ended. Very good. Uh, for the Humble update... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go into Humble, because I actually want to talk about this Humble real quick. Uh, well, first, we got the Humble Monthly that just refreshed. Uh, this is a hell of a month for Humble Monthly. Uh, the early reveals are Yakuza... 
Yakuza Kiwami. God bless, is that a Oh, God bless you. Uh, which is a sequel to the last Yakuza game, which would make sense. But uh, the last Yakuza game has been widely considered by Yakuza fans to be the best game in the series so far. And so Kiwami is a good pickup. Uh, the other game, Soul Calibur Six. Awesome pickup. Of course, it's the PC version, so it comes with Geralt from the Witcher series uh, as, as one of the playable characters. Uh, and My Time Porsche is another that looks like kind of like a cutesy type game. This, for the 12-ish dollars, this is an incredible deal for two big, big titles in the Yakuza game and in the Soul Calibur game. And who knows what else which will get tagged on. We won't find out the other games until December 6th. So that's the December bundle. Uh, a, a note about December month, or sorry, December monthly, uh, Humble monthly. Humble bundle is changing next year and they are going to a, like a curated list that you're going to be able to pick games from. It's called Humble Choice, I believe. It's getting kind of complicated. The point is value, like the price, the value is going up, but the price is going up. So if you are a current Humble Monthly subscriber, you're locked in at the like $12 and plus tax rate right now, and you can pause on months that you don't like. If you cancel Humble Monthly sometime in the future, I don't know if it's in effect yet, but at some point, you will lose that price, that rate, and you will jump up to whatever the, the monthly rate is going to be going forward. Mm. So if you're somebody who hasn't jumped in yet, I would jump in now. If you like this bundle this month, it's a good bundle. If you're someone who has an active Humble subscription, pause on the months that you don't like, at least as long as that's an available option, because uh, you're going to want to definitely try to maintain you know, that value until we know what the future looks like. Uh, but they're usually, I'm going to be honest with you, if you're somebody who's willing to do a little bit of work, there's some subreddits and probably some Facebook groups where people swap codes and stuff for the titles they don't care about. Uh, every single humble monthly has been worth the $12. I have skipped some months because I was like, I either already have those games or I just, I'm not interested in them, but they have always been full of value. So that's, what's going on with humble monthly. Uh, as for actual bundles at the moment today, uh, a cool one just popped off. Uh, the voices of heresy 2019 by black library. That is the Warhammer 40 K universe audiobooks. Uh, it is nuts uh, the top package is $18 and it's like for a dollar you can get five different audiobooks uh, for $10 you can get an additional seven and then for $18 you get another 10 on top of that so you uh, you get over 20 audiobooks in the Warhammer 40k universe which is dope if that's something that you're interested in uh, it's a really good value and they are all DRM free. So you can download them and store them on your devices and carry them around with you. There's also a couple days left on the Warhammer 40 K Roleplay rogue trader bundle. That is RPG books. You can get the PDFs. There is a dynamite comic 15 anniversary party for the next 14 days. So it'll be plenty of time. Once you're listening to this episode, if you're listening to it on time, uh, that is dynamite comics that's a cool bundle with like a John Wick comic and Nancy Drew and some other Bob's burgers and all kinds of weird stuff. Day of the devs 2019 has only five days left. That is a bundle with some cool games. So basically if you don't know, you want to be on Humble's mailing list, you want to get their updates and you want to go scan them from time to time. There's 11 bundles right now. There's also crazy stuff like 
Learn instruments and design. With okay, this is this is where I come in. Yeah, go. Do oh it. God, this is the bundle that I care the most about. So this is called a learn instrument and design bundle, and it brings you anything that you would possibly need to either um, pick up a guitar for the first time or or slowly teach yourself how to play the piano, but also if you're looking into you know, upping your game on, on a little bit of Photoshop or trying to build your font uh, library, this bundle is fucking perfect because there's there's a couple different font and logo um, but softwares here. They, they, they give you um, the business card studio, which, I mean, come on, we all use uh, a website that doesn't sponsor the show to make business cards, but it's also uh, 2019. You should be doing everything digitally. But um, also the comic creator studio is in this, which is a wonderful comic book uh, template building software. And uh, it's, it's 20 bucks. 20 bucks gets you literally about, uh, $500 worth of different software from learning guitar, learning piano and building out your um, digital designing portfolio. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's 20 bucks. It's, it's completely worth it. Even if you learned, uh, you know, just, just use the piano app off of it. I think piano lessons are a little bit more than $20 and I cannot wait to uh, pick up this bundle. There's also a design like a designer bundle with eBooks for stuff like typography, web design, business and careers, like guide to money. Uh, this, it gets crazy. A hundred percent. Look at humble bundle. They don't sponsor us. I don't know why we plug them every fucking week, but it's because like, for example, this bundle I just talked about for a dollar, you can get eBooks about typography, cultivating creativity, the designer's web handbook, Every single dollar tier on every bundle I've ever seen has something worth that dollar. Like even if half of it is garbage to you, something on there is probably worth it to you if it appeals to you at all. So just check it out. Um, if you were somebody who just tossed them a dollar every once in a while, you would get all kinds of value out of it. And like I said, it's most of the time this stuff is DRM free. Every once in a while, the software and stuff will be like codes for so- like obviously the games are you know, they're like steam codes and stuff and the software stuff might be a limited time license occasionally, but for the most part, it's all pretty fair. You definitely know what you're getting at the time. Very rarely have they ever disappointed me. So there you go. Chris, you got anything else to to plug before we wrap up the show this week? No, you're good. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot roadshow tour. Go go see them while you can. uh, I'll say Chris that, when the first trailer came out for this, uh, I believe we had Bill on the show and I could not give a hot shit about this movie. <laughs> and after listening to the description that you gave on the actual film itself, uh, dealing with aging parents and all that other shit, I, uh, I'm, I'm bought in now and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to go out and see it. Um, it should be in your neck of the woods here pretty soon because I think uh, the release strategy is they come and they do their roadshow tour and then whatever city they're in within like a week, I think they start showing, they start doing showings and they were in Philly today. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's where they... Yep. Or tomorrow. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good. It's worth, it's worth a watch. Cool. 
All right. With that said, uh, the the rock god of pod will be back next week. Maybe. Well, presumably. Uh, he he said he would be. We'll see. Uh, I so mean, we could just change his password to Zoom, and then he could just show up. Yeah, he would literally change his password to everything. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, you know, uh, we're gonna do our outros here, but um, we're coming up on the holiday season. Just as a, f- a fair bit of warning here, we are trying to minimize the number of episodes that we're gonna like skip or anything like that. I think the only one we pretty much lockdown is we're definitely not doing a show the week of christmas but we might have something in the works to fill in so just be aware that the holidays are coming so our schedule might change a little bit only for the holidays but we're we're committed to filling you out like we always do because you're our applications (laughs) (laughs) philip doesn't like that one uh chris let everybody know where they can find you on the internet uh they can find me at uh Christoph Wisdom or in all things wisdom on the Insta, the Twitter, the the Facebooks, um, which surprisingly have been active the last few days. Uh, Kurt, Kurt messaged to make sure that I hadn't been hacked. Um, but nope, I'm good. I just said, you know, something to share. <laughs> Philip, how about yourself? Mad Johnny Nomad everywhere. Twitch, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram with a one. Uh, I'm going Law, to... Log, restrooms. We don't have Wawa's out here, and I've saved thousands of dollars with with that. Um, anyway, um, I'm taking a break from Tuesday morning streaming. Okay. I, I have a bunch of show work that I have not done at all. Like, since Dragon Con, I have been procrastinating. And what you can't see, listeners, or even Kyle, as you watch this video, is that my secondary screen is full of files that I should have been processing months ago. So until I get all my show work done, I have canceled my Tuesday morning streams. But the Tuesday night... Philip Scared Stupid uh, is is always going to be on, and that's uh, around 9 or mostly probably 10 p.m. at twitch.tv slash Imaginary Nomad. Uh, you know what? I'm going to plug uh, my friend's TikTok. Uh, tell she she's a patron of, of Botch. Uh, she's really strange, and uh, <laughs> she's very funny to watch on TikTok. So if you're one of those uh, youngins that use uh, that uh, platform, uh, check her out. Most likely you don't know who Kevin Smith is. No, she had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea. Hey, why don't you just stream you doing your work? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listening to my uh, my my yes. episode extras and editing yes. it. You can still interact. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that. You, you should definitely broadcast the stuff that you don't. That gets cut. But I do have a beautiful idea. Um when I do come back, I just have to work out some of the, the, the logistics and uh, find clothes from the 80s. So we'll see. Clothes from the 80s. I have, of course, Soapbox Clots, uh, also known as Soapbox GSTU on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, I stream usually on Tuesday and Thursday evenings uh, and Monday mornings with Nicole. Nicole and I have our new show, Crash Test Pilots. Please go check it out at Crash Test Pilots on Twitter and also on most 
podcatchers and music platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and such. Uh, we Our most recent episode is about White Gold, which is available on Netflix if you're here in North America. And that is a show from a couple of the guys who were on the Inbetweeners. If you are a an old school uh, Inbetweeners fan, British comedy, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a weird and quirky one. So yeah, please go check that out. Uh, I think we're seven or eight episodes in. We're we're getting them in. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun with that show. We'd love to hear what you think. So tune and in. How next are you week. filling them out? Paul? How are you filling them out? Like applications. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week, folks. 